The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome indeed to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellich. Today, uh, together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click on the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Conscious Contact. Am I alone in the universe? I'm supposed to pray, but how and for what and to whom? I prayed as a child with seemingly no results. What's different now? Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding effective ways to make conscious contact with God as you understand God and seeing concrete positive results in your life, to move from floundering on our own to a sense of well-being in our lives through the power of prayer. So we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of what that floundering was like. Then we'll move into the solution of prayer and meditation. And after the break, we'll share exactly how prayer and meditation helped us to move from that floundering to a sense of well-being. So Dan, tell us what that floundering experience was like. And all I can think about is the fish because we were talking about flounder before. So I'm just seeing you flopping around (laughs) like a flounder. (laughs) That might be a good image to use. And, of course, I have to say was slash is because it's not as if I never have an experience that I might call that. But it's it's nothing like it it used to be. You know, what comes to mind first is that. Um, And we've talked about this before that, you know, the way that my mind is wired, I am, quote, in my head a lot. Uh, A better way to say that is I'm very comfortable in the world of ideas, right? I'm I'm good at uh, at that kind of thing, mental constructs, uh, you know, deeply understanding uh, how things work, uh, learning the details and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you know, all that head stuff is sort of my traditionally, historically, my comfort zone. And so um, when I think about what floundering was like, I think 
it's not that being in my head itself was floundering as much as not really having any other way skillfully to engage the world um, left me kind of, you know, one-sided, I guess we could say. And in that sense, you know, I was, I was significantly out of balance. And so when I think about what floundering was like, it was like not, you know, not knowing any other, really not knowing any other way to be in the world. And so just being out of balance and that's inherently a, uh, I have found it to be, a, you know, being out of balance to me, almost the same thing as feeling like I'm floundering. Yeah, flopping around. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand. I also was predominantly um, intellectually oriented, you know, like you said, the world of concepts and ideas and uh, academia and things like that. And so um, I was also quite out of balance because I didn't have any spiritual aspect to my life. Um, and so I didn't know that I was floundering. Well, I mean, I knew I was floundering in some ways, but I didn't know what the problem was. Um, I had this go it alone attitude, you know, um, I just had no sense of there being a spiritual resource available to me. Um, or that they're really, I really didn't think about a spiritual realm at all, really. Um, and so I didn't, you know, it was basically an experience of aloneness. Like you started out with the question in our show's description today, am I alone in the universe? Well, yes, I pretty much was because, you know, when you have no belief in any kind of higher power, that pretty much leaves you alone in the universe, you know? <laughs> so I did, I did have that sense of, um, you know, no, no concept of God, no concept of a spiritual realm, um, no concept of any kind of spiritual, um, what do I want to call it? Spiritual, uh, God, what is the word I'm looking for? You know, having a spiritual place to go, a reprieve or a, a safe zone or, right. or that kind of support. I didn't have any concept of that. Yes, uh, I and I didn't either. I could echo, I echo uh, all that you just shared, and that feeling alone is another example of floundering, you know, slash being out of balance. And I also, uh, for most of my life, um, you know, had no identifiable concept of a higher power or anything like that. You know, I was familiar right. with, um, with the Christian narrative, you know, just having grown up in, in the West and, uh, my, my mom took us to church when I was young. So Sunday school and all that, I kind of, you know, I'd heard the story, but it didn't mean that much to me. Not then. I mean, later in life, it became to be very meaningful when I understood it in a fundamentally different way. Right. But I suppose for most of my uh, existence, um, you know, I was atheist or agnostic, except I didn't even care enough to differentiate between the two. It yeah. just didn't matter to yeah. me at all. It just yeah. didn't matter. So did I lose my connection there? I'm still hearing you. Okay, good. Because my 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 thingy in front of me is going haywire. No, I'm but, still hearing uh, you perfectly. Great. So, uh, you know, just alone in the world, no sense of spirituality, kind of like yeah. you're sharing, no sense yeah. of a spiritual realm, no foundation that comes with that, just kind of, right. you know, on my own. Yeah, I like that, um, that 
what you just said about no foundation, sort of that feeling of being free floating, not being grounded into anything, not being connected to anything um, greater than myself. And I think that's why uh, that that concept, even just the words higher power, I think that's why maybe that appeals so much to us when we come into recovery, because, you know, we've talked about this so much. We're so self-centered as addicts. I was so self-centered and not self-centered so much as self-absorbed, just completely absorbed in my own um, survival and coping. And so this idea of something greater than us is like, oh, when I think of it, I just get this feeling of relief, like, oh, thank God, I'm not all there is. There's something beyond. This isn't all there is. There's something greater, something beyond all of this. And um, I had not ever really believed in that. But when it was suggested to me in early recovery, it just felt like it felt very natural to me to begin to believe in something greater than myself. And I loved the freedom that I had. You know, you mentioned again in our description, God, as you understand God, and we've talked about this a lot before, that both in 12-step recovery and in unity, we are free to explore and evolve our own understanding of God. I truly believe that it's uh, very different for each one of us. Uh, how we experience God. God isn't different. God is the same, but um, we each experience that God very differently. And not only do we each experience it differently, I experience it differently on any given day. Mm -hmm. And I certainly have experienced it differently from, you know, what my understanding of God was in early recovery to what it is now has, you know, grown and shifted and changed and in some ways come back around and, you know, God is so vast that um, it's big enough for all of that. Yeah. You know, I have a statement from the, the big book, um, looking at on page 45, lack of power, that was our dilemma. Mm. And I thought, yeah, that's it. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Yes. And um, I, I found that concept uh, comforting, you know, in all of my... Of floundering and one way that floundering showed up in my experience and, and this lasted for quite a while I, I don't I don't really find myself in this place so much anymore but you know as recently as cer certainly in the last uh, 10 years may maybe even the last five years you know I found myself feeling I think you used the word unmoored you know yeah. just sort of free floating like sort of disconnected not in yes. a you know, like clinic, not, not in like a clinically diagnosable manner, but just no. in a, in that kind of free floating anxiety, you know, that's like the worst kind of anxiety. Cause it's not because of any particular thing. It just right. is sort of like, like the water that I'm swimming in or something. Yeah. And so just that feeling of being uh, disconnected or unmoored or just sort of floating in a sense, you know, certainly yeah. still perfectly functional in the world and, uh, you know, interacting with people and all that. But as an internal experience, it was disconcerting. So that's one way that floundering looked for me. Define functional. <laughs> right. You know, I thought I was so functional. And I guess there's different ways of conceiving of what functional means. Yes, that just really hits the nail on the head, that feeling of being unconnected, not connected to any kind of spirituality. And that left me feeling not only alone and like I had to go it alone, but also feeling very unprotected. 
I, I had a lot of fear before um, I got into recovery. I was afraid of being alone in a house. I was afraid of dark parking lots. I had this sort of boogeyman kind of general fear that I don't know exactly what was causing it, but I, you know, just like I was afraid to go out to my car in a dark parking lot. I just had this feeling that something was always trying to get me. That's why I say boogeyman, because it wasn't anything in particular that I thought was after me, but just the feeling of being afraid. And I can honestly tell you that once I came to believe in a power greater than myself, that fear vanished, completely vanished. And so I think maybe what I was feeling was that feeling of being alone in the universe, of being of being just ego, Michelle, and not spiritual, Michelle, just being human, you know, ego self, Michelle, and that there wasn't anything bigger than that, that I was not connected to anything bigger, that there was nothing bigger than that inside of me. And so I was consumed by human fears. Once I came to see myself as a spiritual being connected to the whole spiritual realm and connected to God, I didn't have that fear anymore. Yeah, that's a wonderful realization and turning point there. Another way that comes to mind of what floundering was was slash is like is I have um, oh what sometimes seems like wildly fluctuating interests and activities. I get <laughs> way into things. I get deeply and uh, focused. And I have, you know, I, I had a diagnosis at some point of ADD, um, again, not debilitating, but more like, you know, a, a good description or explanation of why my mind was the way it was. And it's, right. I've come to understand it as the hype, uh, you know, as a superpower and the superpower mm-hmm. is hyper focus. Yeah. I can focus like a laser on something and that's an extremely powerful thing to be able to do. Yes. But again, you know, it's best if I can choose to step back from it. Um, and and it, because if that's my only way of engaging the world, then um, it's not quite so helpful. So that kind of hyper focus, which turns into seemingly wildly fluctuating interest and in activities, is part of what's going on. But let's uh, shift gears here, because now that we know a little bit more about what floundering feels like, and I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm just guessing that everyone who's listening to us uh, can nod their head and say, "Yep, I know." Like, um, but we ask, what then is the solution? Well, in unity, as always, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and the way out of that floundering we have found is based on the ability we all possess to make conscious contact with God as we understand God. And this idea is expressed clearly in unity's fourth principle, which dates and meditation we align our heart mind with god and that is what we want to focus on today but what exactly does it mean to quote align our heart mind with god that just sounds weird and how do we go about <laughs> doing it anyway so you're a minister Michelle, what, what do you mean that sounds weird <laughs> it sounds it sounds weird and flaky to me so um uh, so when you you know when you think about what what is your experience of prayer and meditation. I mean, we don't always need that particular phrase, align our heart mind with God. I know what that means, but that's not like my go-to words for describing it. But what is your experience of prayer and meditation? So um, I really like the 
the term that's used in 12-step recovery, conscious contact. And the reason I love that is because um, I've come to understand that God is always present. Um, I'm always connected to God. I'm always part of God. That doesn't change. What change? So, so I'm always in contact with God. But the problem is I'm not conscious of it. So conscious contact is simply becoming aware of the contact and the connection that is always there, was always there. Um, I think Richard Rohr said something, uh, a well-known quote about that, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's the idea that, you know, God doesn't change. It's not like we we get into prayer and meditation and God shows up. You know, God right. is always there. What changes is our awareness of God. And so that's why it's that conscious contact. It's making the unconscious conscious, becoming aware that we're always um, sort of floating in this sea of love and vast intelligence that is God. And we're always connected to it and a part of it. But we have to get out of our human consciousness long enough to be able to experience it. And so like on, in a broad sense, prayer and meditation for me is uh, becoming conscious, becoming aware of that connection, um, stopping what I'm doing as human Michelle, stopping my busyness long enough to get into that awareness of the presence of God. And it's different every time I do it. I like that. Yeah, and, and you're different every time you do it. Now my mind's starting. That's a, <laughs> I just realized when you said that, I just realized, oh, I have that too, but I don't know that I ever would have been able to articulate it. But yeah, yeah. And uh, I find that helpful because, you know, there's there's part of me that thinks oh, I'm supposed to, you know, step one, figure out how this works. Step <laughs> two, you know, do it right. Master it. You know, and, you know, according to how it's supposed to work. And then everything will be fine. But that's that's not a very helpful approach for, for me to something like um, conscious contact with God or, or prayer and meditation. Um, I was reminded as you shared about um, the idea that God is always present, but it's my awareness that fluctuates. It's not God's presence that fluctuates. Although it certainly seems like it's God's presence. It does presence. seem like it. But, you know, remember uh, how babies are, right? There's this concept of object permanence. And the reason that peekaboo is such a fun game to play with little babies is when it when the thing is gone out of their sight, it's completely gone from the universe. Yeah. And then, you know, when the ball or the, the animal or whatever comes back into their vision, now it's like, oh, it's this amazing, wonderful, magical thing. Now, all of a sudden... <laughs> It exists in the universe when it didn't just oh, a moment great. ago. And we kind of, it seems like we never get past that with our God concept, you know, object permanence, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I also, I share that point of view. It's central to unity. The idea that God is always present. It's my awareness um, that is not. Um, one aspect of my prayer and meditation experience is um, that it, it can function as a place of retreat. Yes. Um, it's, it's a little bit hard to talk about because any, anything that I might say about it is not the point of it. The, mm. It's, you know, having something of a retreat is not the point 
of prayer and meditation, but it is part of my experience of prayer and meditation. Uh, and so in a sense, I don't do it in order to retreat. I just do it and sometimes find that that's how it shows up in my experience. And that, you know, and I'm grateful for that and it's pleasant and I appreciate it. And, you know, uh, in the gospel, Jesus quoted us saying, you know, let's come apart for a while. Yes. You know, we've been busy all day. Uh, go go to a go to a uh, a place on your own. You know, sort of get get away from other people and commune with God as you understand God on on your own. You know, all all those kind of you know. We even have a spiritual growth retreat, or even just the concept of a retreat. I'm going to step back from the busyness of the world and get into a space that um, you know is supportive of my of my spiritual growth. So experiencing the the uh, practice of prayer and meditation as a kind of retreat is one way that it shows up for me yeah and i mean that that aligns with how jesus described you know going into your room and closing the door and praying to your father who is in secret because it is yeah. sort of that um and 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 that's like you said that's one aspect of prayer that's that's private prayer there's also corporate prayer there's prayer and meditation that we experience collectively with others and that's just sort of a different aspect of it but no i you know i have this little notebook here where i write down sermon ideas and such and i just written down prayer and meditation as a peekaboo game with god i think this is going to be a sermon <laughs> i love it i love it because it's such a great metaphor you know that object permanence or impermanence or whatever that god is always there we're just playing this game of peekaboo with god uh, that yes. really works for me <laughs> so Except again you know hiding it <laughs> yes exactly we're the ones that don't get the permanence um so that's another that that's another way of thinking about prayer and meditation that really helps me is that you know we talk about seeking god but the truth is is that god is seeking us right god is always seeking us that one power and one presence, that divine mind is always seeking our awareness of it, right? So it's actually the opposite. So rather than seeking God through prayer and meditation, we're sort of uncovering God. We're uncovering the obstacles and the things that have gotten in the way of us having that awareness. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps anyone shift, you know, rather than us searching, searching for God, we just need to remove the things that are keeping us from seeing God. And that can be different for everyone. You know, for me, I love nature. Nature is a place that um, God, uh, you know, temporarily stops the game of peekaboo and come, becomes very <laughs> uh, visible and very present for me. And that might be true for some people and it might be something different, you know, and it's not always like that. It can... I mean, I've had transcendent moments of spirituality just sitting up in bed praying. So it can be anywhere, yeah. you know, it's, but I love that idea that that, that transcendent moment is just a heartbeat away. It's not something we have to go and find or search for. It's something that is part of who we are. We just have to uncover it. So what are the obstacles? What's in my way of experiencing God? And that's part of what the 12 steps are about, clearing away the stuff that is in our way, keeping us from having that experience. So it's a cleaning up, a clearing away so that that channel becomes um, clear and open and flowing again. And that's what the 12 steps can give us. 
It reminds me of that phrase from the Latin, via negativa, the path to God via negativa. It means by the way of removing. So uh -huh. the, the concept is you take away everything that's not God. That yes. then must leave only that which is God. And then if I discover that, oh, here's another thing that's not God. God, I take that away. So it's more of a practice, of course, than a than an endpoint. But yeah. I have found that to be super helpful. And I I I don't remember when I first realized, but this keeps happening. That what what I might refer to as spiritual growth or my experiences of spiritual growth are always a matter of subtracting something. Yeah. I'm really not adding anything. Even if I read another book or go to a workshop, I want to learn about this. I want to learn how to do that or whatever. It sounds like I'm adding skills. No, well, really, I'm subtracting things that are acting as as barriers. Um, yeah. One experience for me or way of experiencing prayer and meditation for me has been um, to just allow it to slowly over time to be uh, in, fully integrated mm -hmm. with my life. You know, mm -hmm. there's a there's a, a very challenging quote from um it's from first first Thessalonians. I had to look it up about praying, pray without ceasing. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? You know, it's, it's like if praying means, uh, you know, get on your knees and, and put your hands together and, and bow your head down. How are you going to do that without ceasing? What is that doesn't even make any sense. All but right. what does make sense is when I realized that if prayer is communion, if you will, communication, or, or experiencing the presence of God, that is something that I can cultivate and do yeah. um, and make it make potentially, I'm not telling you I'm there, but make it such a part of my life that in effect, that the, the, the felt presence of God is always with me, or mm -hmm. almost always, you know, or, yeah. I, or I might realize, oh, man, I really kind of got off the rails there. Uh, let me take a breath and come back. Um, then all of a sudden, pray without ceasing begins to make a lot more sense and become a real possibility. And so that's been helpful to me to um, look at it as not just something that I do, which it is, but also just a, a way of being like constantly returning to that awareness whenever it occurs to me. You know, there's no there's no score. There's nothing to be achieved. It's just a practice. And the practice is whenever I realize that my mind has gone off on its own and left behind any concept of God or higher power, yeah. I can I have an opportunity at that moment to um, take a breath and yes. return, you know, to to let go of that barrier. Mm -hmm. if you will, that has has kept me separate. And I couldn't even tell you like, well, what percentage of the time do you spend? I have no idea because right. it's entirely subjective. But in, in, in a sense, it doesn't matter because the whole point is that it's a practice. That's but right. let's hang on to that thought and many others because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Please stay with us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back, and we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, and please let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we were discussing first that feeling of floundering when we had no spiritual uh, life and no connection with God and what that floundering was like. And then we moved into talking about prayer and meditation and how for us it's really been um, a matter of having a conscious contact with the God of our understanding. So, Dan, now that we've talked about that floundering, we've been that flopping fish, and we know that the solution is making conscious contact with God, how exactly does prayer and meditation lead us or how has prayer and meditation led us to a sense of well-being? Yes, I was going to say first I have to take the word exactly out of there because I'm not sure I know exactly how this works. And, um, you know, one thing that comes to mind is that kind of like I was saying before, so I have this I have this busy mind that dives deep into things that that loves to understand and unwind puzzles and learn how things work and all of that. And, you know, there's a there's a lot to be said for that skill set, but it's not the only skill set that I want to have in the world. But it it does give me uh, a sort of a natural entry point into integrating prayer into my life. And it's this, that it's something fun to explore. It's like an adventure. Well, I wonder what will happen if I do it this time. It's like, oh, that was different than last time. I wonder what will happen if I keep doing this or, or I do it for long enough and I begin to realize that, wow, you know, my my consciousness has shifted somehow over time. I couldn't point at exactly when or how. I'm not sure, but I know that it has. And so, uh, you know, seeing it that way and thinking, oh man, I just, you know, I'm going to, I want to dive into this again. It's that diving, you know, diving into an activity to experience it. Now, I did have to, of course, uh, let go of the idea. This is not something. I'm going to learn how it works and then I know how it works, but it is something I can uh, focus on and get into and return to. And in that way, uh, it can become kind of like a, a little bit of a, I mean, it's always a practice, but something of a hobby almost think of it as a hobby, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this to see what happens next time. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, so I was thinking that, you know, it's it's human nature to get caught up in the material world and to get caught up in our human ego selves. That's that's the experience of being in bodies and being on this planet. Um, our co-founder, Charles Fillmore, liked to use fancy phrases like sense consciousness, right? So when we're caught up in sense consciousness, it means we're, we're completely focused on our material bodily existence, our ego selves, our human selves, to the, ex- to the exclusion of an awareness of our spiritual selves. So to be caught up in sense consciousness is to lose that connection with God, to forget that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, and so, 
And he also called that error thought. You know, so the error lies in forgetting who we are. That's very Course in Miracles, forgetting who we are. You know, forgetting um, that we're always connected to God and buying into or believing our separation from God. And so that's the error because we're never separate from God. But we get into error thought when we start to experience the world that way. And of course, when I was in that floundering, that was my experience of the world, was total sense consciousness. That's all there was. And so for me, coming to believe in a power greater than myself and coming to believe that I was part of a vast spiritual realm and that there was more to me than just my human self was a total game changer. I mean, that almost sounds ridiculous to say because, yeah, it's a total change of my whole perspective on the universe. And so prayer and meditation, as you mentioned, is a practice that serves as an antidote to that error consciousness, to that um, over-identification with the material world. So I like your idea of praying without seizing, well, Paul's idea, but (laughs) 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 let's give credit where credit is due. No, praying without seizing that, you know, it can become just a part of our life, that stopping wherever we are for just that moment, just that one breath, just that pause to remember that, okay, I'm all caught up in my human self. That's okay. That's all right. But that's not all there is. It's just that constant reminding myself. I need to do that throughout the day. And it has become sort of my default setting after many, many years. Um, You know, we get to have more and more of those moments until it does become the default. So we're spending more time in that consciousness than not. But that takes time. Yeah, exactly. It, and it does. I mean, that, that that lines up perfectly with one of our sayings in, in recovery. Time takes time. You know, you, you can't rush uh, this uh, one, one day at a time. Same kind of concept. Yes. So another way that prayer and meditation have helped me move out of that sort of floundering way of being and more so into a well-being way of being is, is uh, expressed in the concept that we have of let go and let God. And so before I had any sense of a higher power or any practice around uh, conscious contact or experience of a higher power, there was nowhere for me to let go of things too. Right. And I found it super helpful to at least have a concept of releasing something you know, whatever words we might use to the care and keeping of the God of my understanding. Well, what does that mean? I I don't even really care what it means. I don't care what it means. What it means to me is that I now have a way to just let go of something. And sure, maybe it's tied up with the concept of faith. And okay, yes, it's tied up with um, a, a God concept that I carry, you know, a concept of a higher power. But at the end of the day, none of that really matters. Um, there's no, you know, sense of, is it, well, is my faith correct or incorrect? You know, is my God concept right or not right? No, that has nothing to do with any of it. No. Um, but what, what it, what it is, is a way for me just to take a breath and let it go. 
you know, and we talk about uh, having a God can, right? So I'll take an old coffee can and when it's empty and cut a slot in the, in the plastic lid and that's my God can. And when I get worried about something, I can write it down on a piece of paper and stick it in the can. That's a, that's sort of a physical expression of letting go and letting God, you know, um, well, maybe I don't, maybe I can't deal with this, but God can, yes. right? There's the the joke in the name there that only took me a zillion years to get. I'll <laughs> tell you how long it was before I understood that, and, you know, the light bulb went on and I'm like, I get it. And then people are looking at me like, where have you been all this time? Like, never mind. I'm, I'm used to this. Uh, I'm a little bit. Uh, I, I'm ahead of and behind the curve at the same time <laughs> on a regular basis, and it's just part of, of life. But oh, that God. just that ability to have a, a framework, even if I want to think of it totally in mental terms, is sort of a mental, spiritual uh, framework that allows me to just let go of something, just, you know, put it in the, there's another phrase that I won't use the exact words, but you can put it in the effort bucket and <laughs> let it go. It's the same concept internally, you know? Yep. Yes, it is. So I really like what you said about, you know, it doesn't matter whether our concept of God is right or wrong. Um, and we know that as, you know, spiritual, uh, People on a spiritual path, we sometimes make that mistake of thinking that there's a right way to do things. And, you know, I believe that there's not. There's no right and there's no wrong. But what I was thinking as you were talking is in terms of what our concept of God is, all of us are wrong because no matter <laughs> we're all wrong, you know, because we're never going to our concept of God is never going to be as big and expansive and complete and loving as God truly is. We're always only getting a piece of it. And all of us are right because whatever you think God is, God is that too. So it's not so much wrong as incomplete, you know, whatever concept we currently have of God, it's still more than that. God is still more still beyond. So we, we just keep needing to just keep expanding and expanding that concept of God. I love what you said about surrender. And, um, you know, in the 12 steps we have, so first we admit our powerlessness, then we have this amazing experience of coming to believe in something greater than ourselves. whether it's, you know, the joke around here, I don't know if it's the joke, if this is a regional thing, but around here we joke about it being a doorknob. It doesn't uh, matter yeah, as long as it's, yeah, something, just something. Um, after we get that concept of a power greater than ourselves, then we take the third step. Turning our will and our lives over to the care of that new concept of God. And that for me was so huge. I've shared on this program before. I'll probably share many times. Um, I cannot, I cannot explain how big of a shift that was. And it literally happened when, you know, I'm, I'm old school or I was old school because I'm, I'm a bit of an old timer in AA. Um, my sponsor and I got on our knees and we took the third step together. We literally turned my will in my life over to the care of God. Wow. My life changed in that moment. Everything changed. Um, I have a different understanding now about what I think happened in that moment, a bigger, more expansive understanding of it. But all I knew was that I wasn't doing it alone anymore. And I had someone, something to surrender to. 
And boy, it felt so darn good. I started giving everything to God. Here, <laughs> take it, please. You know, my job, take it. My relationship, take it. My financial worries, take it, please. Just take it all, you know. And I just started turning every single thing over to God because it felt so good. And it gave me that surrender and that letting go. And the way I understand it now is, you know, it was releasing from my human self, from my limited material self, and opening up to my spiritual, my higher self, um, the part of me that is part of everything and part of God. And it was a letting go, um, a surrender, and a beautiful, for this control freak, because I was a control freak back then, it felt very good to begin to release and loosen, loosen up and release my grip that I had on everything. I didn't have to figure everything out myself anymore. I could seek that communion with divine intelligence and, and, and receive that guidance rather than having to figure it out myself. I love that. And as you shared, I was reminded that that is an expression, you know, one way it's sort of like putting into practice our uh, unity principle of denial and affirmation, right? Denial simply meaning I deny that whatever's troubling me has actual power over me, and I affirm a, a thought of, of truth um, in its place. And so we always do them in that order right. as well, because first, what do we have to do? Clear space. You know, you got, I got to get out of my head the false idea that is troubling me and dogging me. And one way to do that is exactly what you described. If I have a concept of a higher power and I have a concept of um, being able to turn things over or let go, let God, uh, put it in the God can or whatever, um, then I have a way that my consciousness can understand uh, yeah. that I can use as a practical means of doing exactly that, of letting it go, of creating space for something new to come in. Yeah. And it doesn't get any better than that. You know, when you'd mentioned about um, God concepts, in, in a very real sense, they're all wrong and they're all right, you know, in some way or other. And I agree that it's, it's not helpful uh, for me um, to get stuck on any particular, you know, needing a particular God concept to be right, and therefore right. others are not right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love theology too, but I find the pastoral approach far more helpful in general in the world. I'm not, I didn't become a minister to be right and point out to other people that they're not right. right. In fact, I, I kind of want nothing to do with that. Yeah. If someone wants to know, you know, you ask me, well, how, what is you, how do you conceive of this, of this thing we call God? I'm, I'm happy to share it and how it's, how it's helpful to me and even help somebody to kind of undertake that way of seeing if they want to. But that's yeah. not, they don't need to, you know, they can do whatever you want. And right. so I had to look up a couple quotes, because uh, uh, if I quote things, please don't think that I'm carrying these around in my head. I'm not. <laughs> Inevitably, I wrote them down, because I can't, I can, I can butcher anything from memory. Um, <laughs> but Richard Rohr says, there's no concept of God that can contain God. Your present notion of God is never it. Always incomplete. Right? It might, you might have a piece of it. And you might not. And if you do, you might think you know what that piece is, and you might be right, and you might be wrong. And St. Augustine, even more compactly, if you comprehend it, it is not God. Ah, 
I like I that. I think that's the bottom, bottom line. Yeah. So uh, I, I like you, uh, try not to get too hung up on, um, you know, w- whether this or that is correct, even though I am, you know, a theology nerd as well. And I do love thinking about um, uh, the, the divine and understanding and definitions and all that. But I try to hold them very loosely because they're, you know, they're as true as they are helpful. And if they're not helpful, then they're just weighing me or somebody else down. You know, if, if I'm carrying a, a God concept that is not of service to somebody else, they should just drop it like a hot potato. Who cares? Yeah. You know, right. if, I'm so, if I'm so right, why do I need to be so worried about whether other people agree with me or not? Yeah. Yeah, and if I, if I am onto something, that may be helpful for someone else, they will discover it in good time mm. on their timeline. You know, and we might even call in God's timeline, uh, I don't need to be getting all wound up and involved in that. Right. Yeah, we talk about in 12-step, we talk about attraction rather than promotion. We don't yeah. need to promote our own understanding of God to anyone else. We just demonstrate it, and then people will either be attracted to it or not. Yeah, you know, it's like if you think you know everything or if you think you're really spiritual, you're probably not very spiritual. If you think <laughs> you've got a handle on what God is, you probably don't. And for God's sake, if you think you need to tell somebody else what their concept of God should be, then you're probably really off track. I mean, that's just spiritual hubris at its worst, right? So uh, we're in alignment on that. Everyone gets their own God concept, and I have the right to um, change and evolve and expand and grow my own God concept. So, And as Richard Rohr, my hero, said, um, you know, like you just said, uh, we're still only pointing at a portion of what God truly is. So that's why we need to spend time in prayer and meditation, making that conscious contact. That's where the relationship occurs. And I love this idea that it doesn't have to be anything formal or it doesn't have to be done in a certain way. You know, we really screw ourselves over to not use bad language um, by trying to think that we have to do things a certain way or we have to do them correctly. We really limit ourselves and then we end up not doing it at all because we can't do it correctly, right? So if you're listening, there is no correct way to pray. Don't listen to anyone that tells you there is. There is no correct way to meditate. You know, there just isn't. Um, There are different things that you can try. There are folks that have been doing it for a long time that can give you guidance. But ultimately, we are such vastly unique and individual creatures. We have to find our own way. But the point is to suit up and show up. That's it. That's all it is. Suit up and exactly. show up. It's about yeah. experience. And how, el- how else am I going to have experience uh, if I don't actually experience it myself? You yep. can tell me about your experience. I can tell you about my experience all day long. But I can't give you my experience and vice versa. Maybe we've had similar experiences and we, as we share them, we realize, Oh, you know, we seem to have a connection on this. That's cool. But I haven't recreated the experience in that conversation. I've just used my words the best I can to point at it. And, you know, maybe there's something that, that can be learned from it. And certainly uh, we need teachers. I do, you know, and someone can say, 
look, here's here's how mindfulness meditation works. Great. I want to learn how mindfulness meditation works. Well, here's how you practice it. Okay. I want to practice mindfulness meditation. Now, nowhere in that is mindfulness meditation is the only right way to meditate. No, No, that has nothing to do with it at all. If it's, if it, if it brings me utility, if it's true for me, even for a period of time, then it's helpful. And if it's not, you know, then it's not. And a big, and I had jotted this down and trying to answer that question, how has prayer and meditation helped me, you know, move into well-being from floundering? Well, I've had to learn to let go of preconceived notions. And those preconceived notions could be fairly recently acquired preconceived notions. They could be dearly held preconceived notions. I might feel like I can't let go of this because if, if I don't believe this anymore, then what do I believe? And I don't want to be that uncomfortable. I don't want another 40 days in the wilderness, so to speak. And so I, you know, I can be tempted to hang on to things It's like, well, at least I know this. Right. But I agree with you. If, if I, if I need you so badly to agree with me in my, whatever it might be, God concept or my ideas of, of how you should pray. I'm, I am way off the rails. I am so far off the rails, I can't see them anymore. I've lost track of the whole entire point of all of this, um, in my opinion. So letting go of preconceived notions is an ongoing practice, I think. And some of the things that I might need to let go of today might have been the, the insight, the brilliant insights from a year ago that helped me move forward. Yes. But maybe it's time for You've that to move it. on because yeah. whatever I think it is, it ain't. It's but let's change gears and turn our attention to a question or comment from our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up expressed in different ways. It goes like this. I seem to have a hard time keeping up a regular prayer practice. And I'm raising my hand. How can I be more consistent with it? Michelle, what do you think? Well, first of all, don't beat yourself up because that just makes it worse. But I've got to share this because I'm just itching. I came up with this great metaphor just now while you were speaking of um, a quiver of arrows, you know. And so prayer, meditation, mindfulness, time spent in nature, silence, contemplative prayer, um, taize, you know, all the various different kinds of communing with God that there are are all like arrows in this quiver. And yet all of them only aim at God. So try different things out. You know, there's no right way to do it. There's no one way to do it. You might employ a whole bunch of different ways. That's what I do. I like to mix it up. You know, I got a short attention span. I need to mix it up to keep things interesting. (laughs) And I don't beat myself up. A few years ago, I committed to a five-minute daily meditation practice, and I have stuck to that. But, um, you know, it's it, it doesn't have to be an hour. You don't have to go and do it in a certain way or sit in lotus position or say om or anything like that. You know, keep it simple. Keep your commitment small and sustainable and doable. And for God's sake, don't beat yourself up if you don't do it. You know, it's not to be done perfectly. The spiritual practice is not about doing things right or doing them perfectly. That's the antithesis of the spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah, that's been my experience. I agree with that. And I had jotted down about the difference between a formal 
practice and an informal practice. And uh, while while I think ideally I'm doing both, uh, honestly, I'm far better at the informal, the pray without ceasing yeah. way of approaching all this. I'm far better at that than I am at the formal. And I've had to do exactly what you said, just let go of yeah. the idea that I'm doing this wrong. I, I, I have to do this. You know, if I don't do this, then I'm not doing it right and all that kind of junk. And just, and here's another thing that I don't know when this occurred to me. It's like, duh, I had one of those moments. <laughs> Why don't I pray for guidance and insight about how to pray? Yeah. And, you know, that has, that has worked very well for me. Yes. Uh, you know, thinking things have to be a certain way is just a setup for failure. Really yep. is. So it's time for our affirmation uh, that is to help you take these things deeper. And our affirmation today is, I give myself the gift of time spent in conscious contact with the God of my understanding, and I am blessed. I give myself the gift of time spent in conscious contact with the God of my understanding, and I am blessed. Yes, I love that. Well, it's happened again. <laughs> You've given yourself, and I, I mentioned before, uh, you, if you if you who are listening know any uh, good words that mean like carrying on, yakety yak, talking, blah, 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 please send them to us because... <laughs> That's what we do, and oh, I want to I use a different one each week. This is going to be a fun game. Um, you've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're very grateful that you have, and we really hope that you found something in all of our carrying on that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are. And don't forget, listeners, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. And please go ahead and give us your thoughts, comments, feedback. Um, and we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, go and have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.